0: One, two, three, four. Got the no-star inside of me. Got a fire inside of me. Dun,
1: dun, 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 dun. All right, let's All
0: right. get into
2: this. Okay, yeah, so. Um, okay, actually, I actually have an intro for the first time on oh, this podcast. Um, okay, here we go. Wish me luck. i have luck. to do a couple takes.
1: Good luck, Tyler. Thank you.
2: Thank you. You're listening to Demoitis with Said the Whale, recording on location in Hamilton, Ontario at the Because Beer Festival, where we are playing tonight to a crowd who will have presumably been drinking for 10 hours. All of the the beer. I I was one of those
0: people last night. (laughs)
2: That's what happens. Um, Our guest on the podcast today is quite possibly more Hamilton than We Are Vancouver. I think you probably name drop Hamilton in like almost every song. (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's a bit of an exaggeration, but it's in his intro,
2: so it's real. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> I should be interrupting
2: his intro. Sorry. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Max Kerman of Arkells. Thanks for having me. Welcome,
0: Max. Sorry. Welcome I, to our green room. <laughs> sorry, I didn't make it to the hotel. As I said, I was at because beer. That's Pretty, okay. pretty late last night.
2: This is better. This is a better we have vibe, anyways. Yeah, beer. we've got I know. spread.
1: You can take a break, have some the, fruit there's platter. So much beer. Yeah, <sighs> I bet.
2: Um, okay, I'm not quite done with my intro. Oh, sorry. No, that's okay. That's You're okay. doing really good though so This is great, far.
1: thanks. I just have
2: a couple, a couple more points. Now this will like, get us into the, into the music conversation. Um, so you are often celebrated for uh, your ingenuity when it comes to promotion and social media and fan engagement, um, and that's actually something that you and I have built our relationship on. Yep. There have been a couple talk-me-off-the-ledge phone calls, um, which are always appreciated. Um, but today we're talking about the other part of the equation... Which is songwriting, because you can be the best social media man on the planet, and if you don't have the music to back it up, then it's all for nothing. Um, so, uh, so that's what we're talking about today: is music Good. demos. Um, and I realize we've actually—I don't think you and I have really spoken much about music, because we're always like sitting there, like jamming on strategy ideas. Yeah, how
0: uh, you move the ball forward. But yeah, I, I do believe that. Like the nucleus, the DNA of everything that a band does starts with the song because that ultimately means way more.
2: Yeah, it does. Um, I mean, great example. Knocking at the door, nine weeks at number one in Canada. Yeah, congratulations! Congratulations, That's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, almost ten. We're cheering for ten. We're cheering for ten.
0: Thanks, guys. (laughs) Yeah, no, we're we're yeah thrilled, blown away about how how the song has been received. It's actually been. Kind of an informative experience in terms of what it feels like people are attached to within that song. Because any song we write feels like it's just us. And It's just we're being kind of the most authentic versions of ourselves when we're putting out music in the world that, that we're proud of. And that's any song that makes a record. But there's definitely some ingredients in, um, in knocking at the door that I think checks off some kind of key boxes in the like Arkell's checklist Mm -hmm. I guess for like which I didn't quite realize and one of those things is me kind of hurting my throat sometimes like I'm knocking at the door I'm thirsty uh, with Oh The Boss Is Coming or That's Me like uh, you know definitely a little hard on the vocal cords and there's like an aggressiveness to the drumming I think in it that I think and obviously we I think we have uh, established ourselves as pretty good pop songwriters and I'm happy we have songs like 1111 and then some and they appeal to maybe that kind of fan but I think at our core we're also a good rock band and it's good to remember that and and because when we do get a little heavy people do appreciate that. Yeah.
2: So is that something you were thinking about when writing the song? Like were you trying to tick those boxes?
0: No, no that's the thing is I've only realized it now and even Dave Monks from Tokyo Police Cup texted me and he said like He's like, I've been listening to the new song, "Knocking on the Door, and it reminds me of, of Oh, the Boss is Coming. It's like, but like, Ar- Arkell's 2.0 or something like yeah. that. Yeah, totally. And I was like, oh, yeah, that does make sense. And then, uh, no, like, the do, are we going to get into, like, how the song came together? Or yeah, oh, sure, yeah sure. sure. Yeah, so we, um, there's a, a few different stages to it. So we're on tour with Frank Turner, uh, and the first show was January 19th in Washington, D.C., so the night before inauguration with Trump. Oh, yeah. Uh, And the next day was in Philly, and then the next day after that was um, the Women's March on the
2: 20th, 20th, I think it was the 20th. Politically charged routing.
0: Yeah, I know. We were right there. And um, we we were making jokes we we had a bit in our other song uh hung up where we did the sort of James Brown breakdown and we i had a whole like bit on stage where i said like we're going to keep knocking at the door because like that's what the women's march is all about it's about getting out in the street letting your voice be heard standing up for you know freedom and equality and love and I'll be, I'll be knocking at the door one time, boom. I'll be knocking at the door five times, boom, 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 boom. Like, ah, little like James, yeah. James yeah. Brown. Exactly, yeah. totally. And then uh, I was like, you know why we're going to uh, be keep knocking at the door? Because it feels good. And it hit me ten times. Dun, 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 dun. Like the James Brown yeah. thing. So it was, a, it was a whole bit that we did the whole tour. And I just like like that term, knocking at the door. Obviously, I didn't come up with it, but it had been in my head. And... Um, the spirit of the song really is based uh, from that day, on the, the 20th of January. I've been like, seeing all those people marching in the streets. And so the song is, is
1: very political in that respect. I was actually quite curious about that, yeah. what the political, like, if it had that political connotation that it sounds like it could. For me, when I first heard it, I thought about Syrian refugees coming, you totally. know, and knocking at your door, that's me, and, you know, the whole... Stopping refugees from coming to the United States. Well, or... I was making a joke about Trump building the
0: wall. Yeah, and
1: and, and he wasn't going to let Canadians in either. But it's <laughs> it's it's really nice how it's kind of ambiguous in its political agenda. But it could be. But there's a feeling. There's a like, positive message. Yeah, totally. And actually, the second lyric, uh, in, in the verse, the second verse.
0: There's a, the, the top of the verse, is talk about the time you were broken. There's a great uh, blog. Called Humans of New York. It's a great Instagram follow too. Yeah, yeah. I've seen where that. basically they just talk to somebody on the streets of New York and like learn about their story. So they do one with Barack Obama, and he, uh, the question was, talk about a time you were broken. And he and he said, like, as soon as you start feeling sorry for yourself or underappreciated, then you don't have a path. But as long as you keep it about the work, you'll always have a path. And I've always really, I love that line. And uh, so talk about a time you were bro- broken. And then I regret the hours that were stolen. You know, so it's like the, those hours were stolen when you just start feeling sorry for yourself. Right, so how'd yeah. you keep going? And then Mike had just been in New York. And he said he had this amazing cab driver. And, he, and the cab driver said, you got to put your shoulder to the wheel, man. Uh, <laughs> like, when, like driving through traffic. He's like, and Mike just loved that line. And I was like, awesome. isn't it? That's awesome. Yeah, That's when he showed me, I just kept going, you can call it religion, walking into the mystic. I kind of uh, stole that line from Van Morrison, like into the mystic. Yeah, into the mystic. Uh, and when the power's with people, I don't get pessimistic. Um, so yeah, so it's all very political and uh, I'm glad. I think one of, uh, one of the things I'm proud of about our band is that we've been able to sort of insert sort of somewhat subtly like a political agenda into our music on all of our records. Yeah. There's definitely some like left leaning stuff that's like a little veiled. It doesn't. It's not totally hitting you over the head, but if you read, you read into it a little bit, you'll realize that yeah. there are things. There are certain things that are important that we talk about. We got home from tour, and I think I have a voice note from like the the 22nd or 23rd of February, and the tour finished on like the 18th or something like that. So you know, you get home and you get restless, and you're starting to work on stuff. And um, I had I was just sitting at my piano. And that's normally where most of the songs begin. But what made this one a little bit different is that Tim, our drummer, uh, had been sent me like a Dropbox full of just drum loops. That and normally I haven't done that that much, just writing to grooves. Mm -hmm. But it's really get it's really helpful, I find, because when you're kind of stuck there solemnly on your guitar or piano, it's very easy to kind of just get in that acoustic guy headspace. But when you're just jamming along to a, a loop, like, it takes in, in a direction that... Or it allows you to kind of execute very simple ideas that you would normally dismiss because you're like, no, I can't possibly play E minor, C, G. That's just too boring. Yeah. But if you're playing it to a groove, and that kind of makes it mean something totally different. And, like, injects an energy. Exactly. And so... Um, so I, I was jamming along to that groove, and uh, we ended up making a demo of it. Um, we didn't have the rest of like, the, the drum groove in the verse, but we had the drum groove that we used for the chorus, and we had some fake drums in the verse, and we put together um, it was Mike. Anthony wasn't there for this one, but it was Mike, Nick, and I in the studio. Tim wasn't even there, but we used his loop, and we had like a pretty good sounding demo. Got the North Star got in me, and a fire burning inside of me. No, I don't. So basically, we um, had this opportunity uh, to submit a song for uh, this Budweiser Blue Jays commercial that was going to be coming out in April, like April 7th, and we had this demo that was only like you know most demos are like a verse and a chorus and like at least that's how our demos go the Mars aren't like fully fleshed out yet and uh, we the comp uh, like the agency heard the demo and really loved it and and they'd already like mocked up a commercial just on the demo that's amazing wow. it's kind of crazy and they're like all right but well, we need the song um you know by April seventh, and we had, and it was like March tenth or something like that. No, it was, it was March like seventh. So we're like, all right, we'll go record it. So we like called Eric Ratz, who worked on a couple songs on High Noon, who's done a bunch of big rock records, booked a, booked a studio. At this point, like the bridge wasn't really finished yet, uh, which ends up being one of the best parts of the song, I think.
2: From the from the, the, the,
0: the people, we like recorded it like we didn't even i don't even think the band rehearsed before the studio it's like we're like uh, let's just trust that everyone's a good musician and we'll figure it out and we're Wing in good it. hands with like and with a good producer and uh we did three days in the studio on the one song we had been touring for some of our bigger shows with this extended band like the northern soul horn section right and i was gonna ask about the horns yeah. and the backup singers and everything yeah right. and we uh and i also always been a little bit jealous of bands like mother mother uh, and like July Talk, who used that, that style of female vocal, like in that particular way. Like the but, call and, answer. The call and answer. Yeah, yeah, call yeah, answer, yeah, totally. But that kind of came together in the studio, too. I was like, in my mind, I was like, Talk about a time you were broken. Like, I'm usually in the studio, like, not executing much, like, actually on any instrument, but I'm, like, kind of dancing around. Yeah, you're, and, like, being, you're being Brian
2: Wilson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, 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 and
0: then you do this, and then the guitar goes do doo 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 doo. And then it's, like, <laughs> talking about and it's, like, and then, in this part of the song, I definitely need to be dancing like this. <laughs> like, it's mostly what I'm doing. But it, it's I think it's important, because um, for the big picture, it's important that the guy in the front, who's me, like, kind of has an understanding... Of how I want people to move and react to the song, so I'm really glad that the guys individually like care about their part and their instrument and how to execute it. I'm not quite as interested in those little details. I'm more thinking about like how is this all gonna like Look and feel when we perform it live or when someone's listening to it.
2: Okay, that, I mean, that was going to be a question I had, so and you kind of just answered it, but obviously, you think a lot about the live performance when you're recording.
1: I know we played with you recently and we got to see 16,000 people doing that with you, and it seemed like you really had thought about that and were able to control those people, and you had every single person in that entire place dancing. It was yeah, a- amazing no, to watch. Oh, no, thank you. Yeah, no, we definitely. Like, and there's definitely sort of tricks we've kind
0: of acquired over the years when it comes to um, just like moments and songs that I think are going to be killer live. Like kind of like the the pre-chorus, which breaks down before it gets loud. Like the kind of the clapping in the in the uh, bridge. Uh, yeah, even just like that's me, boom! Like I can I can when we were in the studio. I, that's all I was doing was doing like the James Brown like right. hand motion. Uh, that's me bow. which is That's kind
2: of the hook Yeah,
0: yeah totally And that's actually on the demo uh, And I think there's something kind of cheesy about it But it totally works Like just that bow. <laughs> it's, kind it, of like it's a cheesy it big anyway. band But if you
2: can sell it, it yeah. then it works Yeah um, so, because this podcast is called Demoitis, yeah. um, did you experience that at all in this song, or is this it just came together so quickly? You are
1: familiar with the term Demoitis and how Demoitis shows itself to songwriters oh, in, my God. in different ways. Well, here's the thing: actually, it's an
0: interesting example because
1: this is the one song cause I think most
0: songs I've ever been excited about. I've had Demoitis with that's in some form or another, but because the timeline was just so crazy, I didn't have time to get Demoitis at all. Like things moved quickly, and we had to kind of. Like create very like instinctively, but it's one of those things that like if Tim had never sent me that drum loop or something, and I'd just been sitting, and it's very easy, especially for the the guy in my position, to to believe that the the solemn piano version is the best version. Because <laughs> <laughs> yes. you're just like I'm gonna play this, you know, under the spotlight at Massey Hall by myself. Which you still could, <laughs> which I could. Yeah. But, but uh, there's we've had other songs though that. You know, I, I felt pretty strongly about the acoustic version uh, that ended up being a rock version. That took me a while to, to kind of like get used to, and now, like anything else with the passage of time, you just kind of get used to it.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's also kind of uh, the the goal of this podcast is to cure demoitis, so that would be one of the ways is just move quickly.
0: Yeah, honestly, that's like the one thing I think I want to keep trying to do, and. is is work quickly and just like if you have an idea like go in like I don't know get like a professional producer or like go into a professional studio and just like I don't say professional because I don't know how to do anything so I need a professional (laughs) (laughs) if you can do it yourself then just do it but just like do it and I think it'll pass the gut check one way or another like either you'll, you'll be satisfied with it or it won't be good enough but working I often find like that first instinctive thing is often
2: I think, the the right thing. Well, thank you very much, Max. Thanks for being on our podcast. Thank you. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, really my pleasure. So we're part two of the podcast. We are back in Vancouver, no longer at Beer Fest, although it was really fun. Um, and we're here to talk about another song from As Long As Your Eyes Are Wide. We're talking about Heaven. I open my eyes. Beautiful world. Rain from the sky.
1: This song started out so... Different than it ended.
2: You sent the demo like a long, long time ago. I always thought it would sound like a movie soundtrack. In particular, it made me think of, for some reason, I don't know why this is, but it made me think of the movie Stranger Than Fiction with Will Ferrell. Oh, interesting. I always just kind of pictured this little demo of yours being behind Harold Crick was a strange man. Every morning he brushed his teeth times exactly or like whatever you're oh i wish
1: (laughs) that i would have pinnacled and quit music already
2: (laughs) so i always liked it because to me it sounded kind of like cinematic and just really interesting i had images in my head already from the demo dude i
1: think that before 19 Tickety-two, all soundtracks were done on a tiny Casio keyboard, so that's probably (laughs) why.
2: Yeah, well, so tell us about the demo. When did you make this demo? I I don't know.
1: I don't have a date in mind because sometimes things just sit on my computer for years or whatever. But this has always been a a part of my musical uh, kind of repertoire going on in my had this little snippet of a song uh, that I called Local Man. And uh, I think that the chords that I was playing on the Casio are just something that I automatically go to. There's little, you know, configuration. Do, 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 do. And uh, I just it's sit It's kind of
2: like uh, Dr. Dre. Pretty much, well, that's what I was going for.
1: Uh, or I almost feel like it might be like in a in an underwater level of Mario or something like that. But um, anyways, it's just something I go to and I sit at a piano uh, or anything. So needless to say, I started playing that one day I think and recorded it, and then just had the 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 music sitting there. And 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 on a different day, I sat down and was inspired with a thought um, and some lyrics and just made a little snippet that then survived for so long, Um, probably for many recording sessions before we made this album, that song existed. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm glad you picked it up and thought about it because then it eventually developed into a real song.
2: Yeah, well, it it was hard to get this song to a place where it had a chorus because this one, I mean, I had crazy demo for this one. It was just stuck in my head as a one-minute snippet and I could not imagine it having any sort of Melodic turn or different words, Uh, so it uh, it required some magic.
1: It did, and magic it magic occurred Mm -hmm. um, in the hands of Kane McKenzie, and I remember that day very well. The three of us, uh, Tyler and Kane and myself, Jace was away Mm -hmm. at this point, and we spent an evening in Kane's studio. This is when he was uh, in the middle of a circle of offices, and so recording was awkward at times uh and quiet at times and um and we sat there just trying to hash out something what would come next how do we go to something else after just playing these chords in a row and came to the thing where he plays nines and thirteenths and things and and makes everything uh a little bit weirder and and something happened which inspired the next part
2: you were Sitting in the corner, busy trying to write lyrics for the second verse because we had we made the verses. We got that like vibey Rhodes thing with all the delay, and we kind of we used your original Casio that you, you had used on the demo for the little to lead line. make the little lead lines and stuff yeah. in the in like the pre-chorus, I guess you could call it. Um, and then we were trying to write a chorus, and so Kane was just slamming out chords, and I did that little like beach housey kind of. Actually, total beach house ripoff guitar line, <laughs> which I have no shame in because I love beach house. Um, and so we built this really awesome chorus. And then, if I remember correctly, the chorus lyrics and melody was going to be the I had a heavy dream. Da, da, da
1: yeah I think we had we were trying to make that part into a chorus but it was not fitting or like you know it didn't have an ending or there was something something strange yeah well I mean like it, it
2: works when you sing it on top of it if you just drag the vocal on top of from the bridge onto the chorus it
1: does work And then we had the same problem where do you go from there? Yeah,
2: and it was like this it was it just felt like a kind of floaty chorus that had no strong point and it was very kind of ethereal feeling not in a bad way just it didn't really fit the punchiness of the chorus that we had just written.
1: Yeah. Also, to me that was already that was a part uh we had you know the the verse which was uh, called Local Man and then we had this I Had a Heavy Dream part which was actually originally a part of a completely different song um, but thematically and sonically it fit into this one and it was kind of finding a home but it wasn't the chorus yeah, um, which became the bridge eventually
2: and so we were stuck at one point, we were totally stuck and so we were just combing through any ideas that you had or that I had And then we came across the song Congratulations, which is a song that is going to be on the As Long As Your Eyes Are Wider deluxe edition. And a song that we toiled over for so long and it just never felt right. I had, like, asked you to write a chorus for this song because I was so stuck. And I think I said to you, like, man, just go, like, pretend you're CeeLo and come back with, like something swaggy, and you did, and I remember you singing it to me at the studio, and maybe you can tell me how that went, because I can't quite remember, (laughs) but... It was was a
1: very bizarre situation. It was like
2: a sing-rap thing.
1: Talking about Frankenstein's song, so we were piecing together this song. Yeah, I had written a a little intro um, rap over top of your lyrics for the song Congratulations, which ended... As the chorus came in, and uh, right. in the congratulations song, uh, it was, it was your love, heaven must be made of it, heaven must be made of it. Heaven must be made of it, heaven must be made of it, heaven must be made of it, heaven must be made of it. And we thought, oh, that's kind of a, like a, a f- fun thing to say, and like, you know, it's got, it's got so many different... Uh, avenues of meaning, it could be lots of things heaven must be made of it and uh and so I worked it out in my brain that I could apply the words Heaven must be made of it to a different song, taking on different meaning um you know with a, nostalgia with nostalgia and a whole thing so instead of your love, this is about nostalgia and heaven must be made of it, which, as I do with my lyric writing, I need to connect things there's not a time when I can just implant a lyric into a song and have it be there without being connected to the rest of it and mean something. So uh, the song, the lyrics took on new meaning and that actually helped the song develop from there. I think from there we had momentum and everything moved on. Totally. Uh, You and Kane had toiled with the the chorus um, and made the music and then these words fit over top of it and then we had the bridge part already because we had been trying to turn that into a chorus and and then the rest is history.
2: And then the bass line I took from another song that probably will never see the light of day. was was the Hope song. And I had that sweet bass line that was like, bump, 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 yeah, totally. And then uh, I was just like thinking how that will never be used and that I really wanted to use it. And that was kind of the only part from that song that I was really attached to. And so it flew and it, it in, used. kind <laughs> of kept like a similar rhythm. It's not the exact same, but it's very much inspired by it. Um,
1: the, the song as a whole was three separate parts that came together and originally all came from different beginnings, you know, different stories, and then in the end it all ended up being one cohesive story which actually was sparked while we were recording. My neighbor Ron Strand, my next door neighbor, uh, who I grew up living beside and with his family and I've known for my whole life, he passed away he was hit on his bicycle by another cyclist and he fell into a coma and then he died in in his coma and this all happened while we were recording and so the theme of The Local Man, uh, you know, which was the original idea for the song kind of felt more poignant and came into place rather than just reflecting myself as the local man in an environment, in a community, in a neighborhood. I now was thinking, you know, very strongly about my neighbor who was the epitome of the local man. He had lived in False Creek and knew all the same places I knew and had all his special spots that I would see him in. And so the song kind of developed tenfold in meaning and and I finally had something I wanted to sing about and talk about. And I went and visited Ron in the hospital while he was in his coma. And then that night I had a dream that I was just seeing him in normal capacity and there he was walking around and that's the part that it got into about i had a heavy dream and so these things started revealing themselves and then when the song was finished it felt as one whole thing rather than a whole bunch of parts
2: a lot of people think the chorus is saying heaven must be made up which is what I thought you were saying at first too. And I still I still like it's a great lyric, which doesn't fit into the story of the song at all, but still kind of a cool lyric.
1: It's true, and I don't want to piss off anybody, so <laughs>
2: <laughs> trying to keep neutral. Neutral. Heaven neutral. Neutral stance on heaven. Neutral stance on heaven. <laughs> may or may not exist.
1: Yeah. I was in Thailand when you guys sent me the song, and I absolutely loved it. I was dancing amongst elephants. It was the coolest Yeah, you sent thing. us a video
2: of you dancing with elephants to I the demo. I was so
1: <laughs> into this demo. And then when we were in uh, Lombok in Indonesia, I had to sing on the chorus. Yeah. So I recorded in our hotel room. Was that your remote recording session? That was my was remote recording session. Oh, that's that awesome. I did that one and more than ever. Those were the two songs. Right. Yeah. On your little uh, computer USB mic. Yeah. With yeah.
2: your like screaming family next door. That oh, was the
1: worst. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I I mean, it's always a thrill when you're working on something and everybody goes, Yay, this is fun. Yeah. Rather than like, I don't know how this is gonna work out.
2: <laughs> yeah, so if you are somebody who reads liner notes on records, you'll notice that um, one of the recording locations, I doesn't it say a hotel in Lombok? Yeah, it does. Yeah. So and that's so that that's was this. Me. That was this. And uh, a little bit on more than ever.
1: Nostalgia as a theme on this album is, you know, the backwards glance on life and looking how things used to be and comparing how they are now. Uh, So for this song, you know, as well as paying homage to my friend and neighbor, it's also talking about change and um, watching your own neighborhood change over time and the small places that, you know, you grow up in and see as your own becoming everybody else's and then eventually disappearing. Uh,